Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. I'm your host, Julie Lithcott-Hames. And this week, Mary Beth Gasman is back to help me answer a few listener questions. Welcome back, Mary Beth. Hi, it's good to be back. Mary Beth is a professor of higher education at the University of Pennsylvania, and she directs the Penn Center for Minority Serving Institutions. And like me, she's the mother of a high school junior going through this college process. So before we get started with listener questions, I understand as part of your academic career, you also worked as an admissions officer. Tell me about that. I was. I was an admissions officer at Indiana University. And one thing that people always forget is that faculty do admissions every single year. So I yeah. do admissions for Penn every single year. <laughs> All right. Well, I know um, Indiana University has really been rising in the uh, in popularity and rankings and whatnot. It seems to be a school that's, whose reputation is very much on the rise. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's something that makes you proud as someone who used to work there. And an alum. <laughs> okay. There you go. Doubly proud. All right. Let's get to our listener questions. We've gotten an email from Jeffrey, a dad in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for putting this podcast together. Our oldest daughter is a junior in high school and we're neck deep in college conversation visits, you know. One thing I've noticed with the episodes so far, haven't gotten through all of them yet, is that the student examples are largely with kids that have a definite direction and area of study with high levels of motivation. The idea of selecting a major or even strong interest is daunting. My daughter gets high grades, does well on standardized tests, is involved in some but not a ton of extracurriculars. But what advice can you give to a student who has no idea which direction they want to go? No idea what direction they want to go. Mary Beth, what do you think? Well, this is a really good question, and I have to tell you, I am the mother of a 16-year-old, soon-to-be 17-year-old next week, who is doing (sighs) the college search. So um, here's one thing I would say. If you have a student who is not sure what he or she wants to major in, I would suggest uh, attending a small liberal arts college and especially one that doesn't, there are many of them that do not make you actually declare a major to the end of your sophomore year. So you can take all your general credits. Um, You can do this at larger institutions as well, but it's just easier to do it oftentimes at a small liberal arts college. And you need that one-on-one attention to be able to form your, your, um, your major. And so I would suggest a small liberal arts college where you can try out some different things where you're going to have really close faculty engagement and it'll give you an opportunity to feel things out. I mean, I happen to have a daughter who is um, focused on she she likes art and creative writing, but, you know, she's not sure if she might want to throw in a little bit of marketing or maybe anatomy and physiology so she could <laughs> get a job uh, making money drawing human bodies, right? So she's, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's very eclectic. So we're looking at small liberal arts colleges, and there are many of them yes. that are very, very open. So that would be my suggestion. Good. Thank you. You know, I will add for the parent that this is totally normal. So many young people haven't yet formed as intellectual beings as this kid is smart, hardworking, etc, but doesn't yet know the direction in which they want to head. No problem. Don't panic. That's normal. That's why so many of the schools don't make you declare a major until the end of your sophomore year, because you've barely scratched the surface of your education when you come out of high school, and they want to expose you to stuff in college before they make you declare. So I completely agree with you there. And we got this voicemail from a mom in Indiana. Hi, this is Baron from Indiana. We live very near one of the highest-ranked school districts in the state, 
but we're just across the river. Is it worth moving, or would they have a similar chance of getting into a good college if they take the hardest classes, the AP classes, the dual credit classes, with the community college at the larger, lower-ranked high school? Thank you. Mary Beth, we've been getting a lot of questions, actually, like this, from anxious parents contemplating moving to better school districts. Better, quote-unquote, maybe. What do you think? So this is a a really interesting question. It's a little bit complicated, but I'll kind of tell you all sides of it. Number one, if you are at a lower-ranked high school and you have access to AP courses or dual-credit courses, you um, there are some advantages to that because schools want to pull from a variety of different high schools and sometimes have an emphasis to pull from schools that might not be as highly ranked and um but they still want really good students from those schools so they're looking for people that might be overlooked yeah okay plus they're going to so evaluate no- you in the context of your high school so if you're at a lower ranked school but you've done them you know the the most rigorous things there then you really stand out Yes, absolutely. Now, if you go to that more, let's say, highly ranked school, um, your chances of getting into some schools might be less because there are so many more people applying from that school. So, I mean, those are things that you should keep in mind. The other thing I would just beg people to keep in mind is there are 4,000 colleges and universities in the country. Over, right? And you should apply to a whole variety of them. And I'm saying this as someone who is a professor at an Ivy League institution, one of the most competitive institutions in the country. Absolutely. But my daughter, I am not telling her to apply to only <laughs> Ivy League institutions. My daughter goes to public school in Philadelphia um, and has always gone to public school. I could have sent her to much more competitive schools, but I didn't because I care about the diversity and I study race in America and I, I can't, right. I can't um, uh, swallow my integrity. So I need I need to do that. I couldn't agree with you more. I got a kid at a public school. Um, I worked at a Ivy type school, Stanford, mm-hmm. and my kid is looking at small liberal arts colleges and colleges that you know are, don't have brand names that everyone recognizes. So you and I know that as educators, mm-hmm. but you know, in the mindset of the American parent and student, you know, U.S. News that top twenty, thirty, forty list seems to be seems to have quite a vice like grip on people, and that's why we're doing this podcast in part to help people expand their you know understanding of what this this realm of college actually looks like. So thanks for your advice to that mom. Really appreciate it. I think, you know, I would say don't move. Um, yeah. Don't move. I think this effort, like, let's change the whole family dynamic so our kid can go have a slightly better education somewhere. Think about the cost of that. Think about the cost of being uprooted and trying to be, you know, to fit in a new community. It's not as simple as moving to a school that might offer, you know, more APs or have a higher rank on some on some ranking. All right. I think that's it for today. Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining me once again. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Anytime. So just let me know. (laughs) I know you're running off to give a presentation. We're so grateful that you've given us your time here for getting in. Oh, my pleasure. And that's it for today's episode. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at gettinginpod. That's all one word, gettinginpod. Or you can send a voice memo or email. Our email address is gettingin at slate.com. And there's always our hotline where you can leave a voicemail. That number is 929-999-4353. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie Lifcott-Hames. And please remember, it's not just about getting in someplace. 
It's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book to try out from Audible is Her Again, Becoming Meryl Streep by Michael Shulman. This biography of Meryl Streep offers a rare glimpse into the life of the actress long before she became an icon. As a young woman of the 1970s grappling with love, feminism, and her astonishing talent. If you want to listen to her again, or many other books, Audible has it. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com slash college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college.